What up, all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 250 of Misfits and Rejects. I made it, 250. Exciting episode. I'm really happy to share this one with you. Today, I brought back on John Eames. John, as you remember, is my best friend from childhood, somebody I've shared countless adventures with. We've lived in multiple countries around the world for many years together and spent a lot of years in Nicaragua together surfing, sharing time and experiences that are continuously shaping our life and perception about the world as we reminisce on them and just talk about how those specific experiences has really gave us perspective and appreciation for what we have in life. So I brought him back on just to give you all an update because we haven't heard from him in a while, talking mostly about just what it's like coming back to the States, you know, post expat kind of period in John's life, uh, what he thinks about it, where he's at and where he sees his future in the next 10 to 15 years. So as you know, we're always trying to inspire people to think about their life situation and chase that dream. And John does a good job of explaining all sides of that coin and what it looks like when you do go, you do seek, you do find, and then what happens when it's time to move past that magical time in your life. So I have no doubt you'll enjoy this episode. And if you remember from last week's episode, I highly recommend during the holiday season, you head over to Instagram and you check out Drift Supply, Drift underscore Supply. My good friend Maria's mother is sewing these beautiful kimonos. So if you're interested in that type of garment, definitely go check it out. They're so beautiful. Both males and females can wear them. And I think if you want to really stand out and set yourself apart trend-wise from your friends, you should definitely check out these kimonos because they're so cool. So with that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with John Eames. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today we are joined by the legendary John Eames from episode 27, my partner in crime for almost 40 years now, best friend since we were children, and bringing back on for episode 250. I thought it was a, a big number, a big milestone to get this far, and he's been in quite a few episodes, which I'll link in the show notes, but uh, it's nice to have you on, Johnny. What's up, dude? Thanks, Chapin. It's good to be here. Good to see you again. Yeah, so you look comfy in your living room. Got a beer. I got a beer. Nothing really planned for this conversation, just, I think, an update on your life, where you're at, my life, where I'm at, how we feel about these types of things that we continuously kind of catch up on, talk about, and uh, pre-show you'd mentioned kind of wanting to talk a little bit about, um, since the, the podcast is circ- you know focused towards expat life, expat lifestyles, travel lifestyles, people who choose different paths. Um, you kind of talked pre-show about wanting to express like what life is like for you as like post expat, <clears throat> somebody who lived abroad for you know the, half of your life, traveled you know for for many years on end, and now kind of settling into I guess a lifestyle that we don't necessarily promote that much on the podcast, you know. So yeah, what do you, what do you think about all this, dude? Well, it's a, there's plenty to think about. I feel like one of the things that, you know, you do once you're back in 
the states with an overload of information and opinions is um, it kind of just gets murky, you know? And it's like, I remember when people would come down and visit us where we kind of had this clarity because we were removed. You know, we didn't have the constant bombardment of information, which everybody thinks is important is because it's interesting. You know, the information is neat, you know, like world uh, politics, um, events, local, you know, events also and and things just to consider always Uh, down there. We just didn't have that. We didn't care. You know, we're just into surfing and, you know, cracking coconuts kind of lifestyle and chasing tail and. So I feel like this this numbing effect, and, and maybe it extends to down there now because people have the opportunity just to be online so they can still kind of like access these, you know, videos, these shorts that are kind of consuming. Um, but at least when we were down there, I felt like we were clear. And then when, pe- when people would come down and they would be like kind of wrapped up in society and, and kind of stuttering and you know, their outlooks weren't always well articulated. Their goals weren't always well articulated because they're in the rat race and we take them outside. They're outside the rat race when they were visiting us and, you know, and we'll call it paradise. Right. And then they're, you know, rethinking things and trying to articulate like, you know, what, what they feel like they want, but excuse what, why they can't get it. Um, it's kind of, I feel like I'm a little bit in that rat race fog. So, uh, I, so that that's a little uh, concerning, but it's not it's not all bad. Um, but yeah, I do realize that difference. So there is like a there is a difference to uh, living on the beach with a lot of fresh air. It's just nature, man. I think it's where if you go into nature, you clear your mind. And when you're in the city and it's just that constant buzz, then uh, then there's a little less clarity. Yeah, we've talked about that a bunch, you and I, and then on the podcast with other guests, you know, that repatriation coming back, um, which I kind of also know you're not necessarily um, saying that's what you're experiencing, but you are <clears throat> contrasting the the clarity of um, there's no mind pollution when you're living in these places, and there's so much mind pollution living back in the States because I'm here now as well, been here now more than not over the last few years. And the uh, information overload is, like you said, really articulated, makes everything very murky. And the truth that I think you and I both found about ourselves and about or or how we perceive the world um, was a lot clearer when we were down in these environments or we were living, you know, as, as we had hard on the road for so long, it just kind of separates all this bullshit out that we are inundated with back now being here. And with that said, it's interesting to see how, especially in America right now, all these lines are being drawn in the sand and people are being divided by these extreme points of view and, these unique places that people are finding all this information <laughs> that uh, doesn't seem to um, give way too much discussion about these various points of view. There's a lot of hard lines that have been drawn and, you know, I don't know about you. I just, I just kind of keep my head down and do my thing, which I mean, I, I know you do, but what, uh, what else do like, yeah, I mean, so you're kind of in this muck and, you but you're happy you're feeling good yeah 
I'm, I'm feeling good. And uh, just to kind of elaborate on on some of the the insights that we gained while traveling to this situation of being feeling murky is in that meditation practice um, that we learned when we were over in Asia. I remember one of the things that they would say, and that was, your mind is like a garbage can, and you have to empty it before you can use it. So in in hearing us talk about having just this constant, we've basically filled it up. You know, it's like, it's full, you know, it's full of a bunch of stuff. And we don't probably ever empty it. And then we don't use it, therefore, potentially, is the is the meditative idea. So it's just one thing stacked on another. It's like trying to, you know, trying to put one more piece of garbage on top of an already full garbage can. You can push it down, but it's not, you know, it's not something that it's it's just it's just too full, you know. Um, Are you practicing emptying your garbage can? And have you been? Um, it's it's on the table because um, we've I'm involved with this jujitsu studio that's close to the house, and my kids go there, so I've uh, made myself available, and I practice myself, so. Now I'm teaching kids classes, and one of the things I can offer because jujitsu is newer to me, but the yoga and the meditation is less, and that's one way. That's one thing I can do with the kids, where I can actually assert some authority because I have that experience. So I have the kids do sun salutations and meditate, and everybody seems to like it. It's a good warm up or warm down cool down rather and uh that's working so it is it's on the radar i still make the kids sit you know and 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 be insightful but uh no i don't have a real promising practice right now but um i always feel like it's one of those like i'm gonna start a diet kind of things you know it's like i'm gonna start the diet tomorrow <laughs> mm-hmm. after, after i drink a beer or something i was like Oh, tomorrow, you know, it's like it would be a good day to start, you know. Yeah. I've been doing that for a little while. I have good I have pretty good discipline, so I don't think it's too far away because for a few reasons, one of them is is um, you know, being 44, I feel like I I genuinely feel a little bit older and I feel like if I make some changes sooner than later, um it'll pay off, you know, and just being able to use the body and and also, it's been so long since I've had a consistent yoga practice that I've, I, when I try to do a few things here and there, I can't do them with the ease that I used to. So I don't. Uh, so I think I should get back into it so I can continue to be limber and injury free. Yeah. Just for new listeners, John, um, you know, you've said you know openly, and you always are super transparent with your life and. But just real quick, so everyone kind of knows where you're at right now, you are living in the Bay Area. Um, you have, as you mentioned, I think was the last time we jumped on one of these episodes together, you open with, my name is John, and I have you know four children with three different wives, and, and which is always so fun to hear you speak that way. And, and you're raising your family now up in the Bay Area. So what is... And so the point is for these new listeners, the contrast of that is John and I living on the beach in his beautiful, like basically tree house on this pristine beach with a sailboat parked out in front, a motorboat. And our daily routine was surfing every day, taking people sailing, obviously the parties. And, uh, and that's quite different now to where you're sitting, you know, across the, the Skype call from me. So yeah, what, what is your daily routine like nowadays, dude? Um, 
it's it's the kids, right? So you basically, as a city parent, you're kind of just always trying to schedule your kids' activities. Um, but I I work a lot, so I do construction and plumbing, electrical, carpentry, and then I teach jujitsu classes, and I also do attendant care. I have one client that's has MS, and so for eight hours a week, I I help him make food, stuff like that. So I diversify. And that way, if something gets a little dry, I can do something else. But um, it's cold now, which is something we didn't experience for decades. And, you know, I figure this is it's still a temporary thing because I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can say this with a whole lot of certainty that I'll be back on the road one day. But I do think I will because it's like this is great and all. But um, I did like India. I did like, you know, Thailand and traveling and I want to go back and I want to take my kids and I want to do things like, uh, like we used to, you know, like sit on the Ganges and write in a journal, you know, and drink chai. And, uh, and so I think I will do that again. So I'm trying to make the most of my opportunities now. And one of them is to basically like, uh, save some coins. So if the rainy day comes, I can, I can basically live through it. And then also, acquire some skill sets that we can't as easily find abroad in jujitsu is the, the number one, the number th- one thing right now. I'm trying to get my kids raised with a, a good jujitsu practice and I'm trying to gain my skill sets in jujitsu. So I can then, cause I imagine all this stateside living can't be more than f- 10 to 15 years, which sounds like a lot, but like, let's say 10 years. But if I can, you know, get some skill sets under my belt, you know, whether it's in my trade and then in my martial arts. And then when I go to travel again, I can offer that, you know, with just like just something else I can do when I'm abroad, but also enjoy having those skill sets, you know, staying at an old lady's house who have a, who has a broken toilet, I can fix it. You know, she has some, you know, I'm, I'm traveling with one of my daughters and, you know, the kids don't know anything about self-defense. You know, we can hang out and teach them a couple moves. Just uh, and then I'd like to get the yoga back in the game. That's more for myself. And traveling with that is, I, I, everybody seems to be open to learning a little bit of yoga here and there. So, gain the skill sets, stack some coin, basically plan for the future of when I won't be able to work. You know, a little more. So, just trying to put my ducks in line so I can go out there again. And in the meantime, providing like all those stability aspects for the kids so they can at least look back and feel like hey you know i knew where my home was i knew i was loved you know i i i heard you know i hung out with my grandparents before they died i um you know i have these fond memories i have these old stomping grounds you know it's like you it's like you in the back bay you know us on 49th down at the beach the jetties and uh you know just irvine was like that for me some of this Bay Area stuff like Tilden and Wildcat Canyon, just places you really know well, that the kids have that experience. And then hopefully we all get along well enough where we can then take those, uh, you know, just do some more experiencing, you know, out and beyond. I can imagine the kids won't be so interested in doing it with me, but I can at least hope as a father that we do things as a family into their, into their young adult years. Yeah. Yeah, you were mentioning uh, pre-show, and this is interesting to hear you bring this up now because, you know, you did have a moment um, 
towards the end of the Nicaragua experience that, you know, that lifestyle is kind of played out, as you said. Um, what do you mean by that? Because obviously you, you do have future plans to kind of go back into uh, either the full expat lifestyle of living abroad or obviously tons of travel will be in your future with the kids. So what do you what did you mean when you said it was like kind of played out towards the end? Um, I think it, it just for for me and, and my place in life, because we we had ran with the ball so hard for so long, meaning that it was like our entire 30s, you know, like some of our 20s or basically our 20s and our 30s. So it was long enough to to uh, develop those those uh, stories completely, you know, like have, you know, complete beginning, middles and ends. And it was uh, it was appropriate for me to pull out of it because when looking back, like if I were there down there now, let's say I lived on the beach and I had boats and I the, the amount of self-discipline I would need to apply to like not like keep sleeping around, you know, and, and continuously drinking would be, I think I'd have good practices too. I think I'd still be fit. We'd be surfing. My surfing would be better. And, you know, I'm sure I'd be doing yoga and other being a cowboy, have the horses, but, um, it'd be real hard for me not to, not to, um, just like continuously sleep around and probably drink too, because the environment was just so accommodating for that. So and then also the, one of the the real silver linings in coming back to the states at this age is, you know, I got my parents in their mid seventies. Um, they're not only old, but they're like having a harder time just doing stuff. And then I have these kids who I would like to know my parents at least, you know, more than they did, and they're getting to do that. So all so I'm seeing all those benefits. And then and then we were stateside kids that found our way abroad. So. I'm not afraid. Like I like the idea while we were down there raising kids on the beach and away from society as we grew up knowing it. But, um, it, it doesn't mean that because they do that they aren't, they aren't also able to venture out into the world and, you know, find a real international place. And, and so I, I'm okay with coming back here. I'm actually really stoked that I'm back here. And that's the other nice thing is when you're, when you're away for so long, so it was twenty, it was twenty years for me, like, a, and so it was, it was plenty long enough for me to come back. I don't really have a lot of friends back here, so I'm real vested into my family, and then I have a lot of just stateside appreciation, and that might be just an interesting point to make, and that's that once you're an expatriate, and you know, we argued for the type of uh, essential patriotism abroad, and that we were challenged constantly by like non-Americans because not that we were minorities, but we were, we weren't majorities, you know, we had more Nikas than us. We had probably equal parts, you know, Aussies or Canadians and like a lot of American belief systems and foundational principles were constantly being challenged. We were finding ourselves, you know, defending those and now being back here, you're in the mix and you're like, you realize like, like now it's like the devil's in the details and people are, you aren't, you know, you're just, you're arguing different things if you're arguing and, but you come back and you have this, this huge appreciation for, um, the things that work, you know, it's like, and this is, this is, uh, Jamie who I know is Jamie's been on your show, right? Yeah, Twice. Yeah. Jamie. Yeah. 
Jamie's a good friend of both of ours, and we just hung out last week, and he was here just momentarily. But one of the things that I, he was updating us, we had dinner with his mom. It was rad. And he was updating us on Nicaragua. And one of the things that we're always interested in, in is like, you know, what's the current situation? And he was just um, reaffirming that, you know, it's like you can live fine in Nicaragua. Uh, don't get involved. And meaning and what? Don't a, get involved in politics? and Yeah, yeah. Don't like it's back to that, like the tallest grass gets cut. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like don't follow the wrong people on social media. Don't post anything that's controversial. Mm-hmm. Don't hold a sign ever that says that you aren't in line with the administration. And uh, had access to a paper that talked about Nicaragua just winning, the Sandinistas winning the 100% of the seats that were up for election this last week. And and the I guess the point I'm trying to make is that is like, okay, when you're not Nicaraguan, living in Nicaragua, it doesn't seem to matter because you're there enjoying other things. And, I'm, and that's how we used to think. And I, and I really think that is fine. Where I feel like there's a discrepancy might be when, so let's say I'm raising my kids there. And let's say your kids turn, you know, turn teenagers and they start feeling like they want to be the voice of change, you know, and they got, or they have one friend or, you know, who's like, political underground or something and then your kid goes away for the weekend and you don't really know what they're doing or you think you know what they're doing and they end up like you know doing some sort of graffiti or some sort of you know protesting or some sort of something and then you have your you know your your kid who's interested in in making change like being subject to the the ramifications of of like that kind of system so I think if you're only responsible for yourself and you aren't interested in making any change or being a part of a free society where people can't speak openly, um, you know, that's fine. But in trying to raise a family and then being responsible for a bunch of growing people who in they, they might not necessarily, you know, be at that place in their life where or they might be willing to take more risk. And then you're in a place where there's no room or tolerance for for that sort of belief and or actions. And then, you know, someone you love can be in danger. So that kind of scares me. Yeah. It's an interesting point. I had never considered that, you know, raising your children in Nicaragua could have led to them feeling that the uh, political situation on there is more corrupt than they would like. And they become activist opposing the current regime, which as you pointed out, can lead to some very, um, sad results for you and your family, you know, whether that means they're imprisoned or even killed for voicing up against and opposing the government, um, which is very real. And that happens down there as we speak, you know, where we definitely lived a more privileged existence because of our, you know, our passports are from America and we can kind of not get involved and still make a living. And, um, I guess reap all the the best benefits of living in that sort of environment rather than having to, um, yeah, get involved as you pointed out. Yeah. It's, uh, it's nice being it's here in America and knowing that that's not going to be the thing, you know, it's like your kids, if, as long as you, you know, you give them a, 
you give them some basics where they don't go out looking for love in the wrong places or brotherhood in the wrong places or escapism in the wrong places, you know, society as a whole, you know, in, in hopes that they just aren't unlucky and at the wrong place at the wrong time is, is really, you know, tolerant and accepting and, you know, and, and there's a, just a good chance that it's not going to betray them. So, and then I was, and then some of the expats I still know down there, they have these, you know, they're raising kids and they're saying something like, oh, I've never felt so safe. And yeah, you know, if you're on Omotepe, you know, and you're trying to grow your own food and you got this little community, sure, I bet you can feel safe. But there's this, uh, but I think if you, if you zoom out and you realize that, you know, you're in a place where as at any point, you know, there isn't there isn't the rule of law, then, you know, how safe can you be? I, and they, and they could be right. I mean, like if you're in, you know, right now, if the Ukraine and, and Russia, you know, pop off and they start throwing warheads back and forth, then San Francisco is not safe, you know, and Omotepe is safe. So it's like, it's just like on what degrees and on what, and what parallels like places are one place is safe and another isn't you know so you can't sit here and just say that living in america is safer who knows how things unfold yeah and that's so true and there's countless examples of places that were incredibly beautiful and safe that you and i have been to which at this point like going to russia isn't really a great option for us as americans you know and I always, and you did too, like to test those theories, you know, like we would, we would travel close to borders that people would always would say is like super dangerous for us. And then ultimately it's just, it's, it's wrong. You usually find that it's just fine. I mean, even us moving to Nicaragua when we did, like everyone's like, oh, it's so dangerous there. Like everyone's still living in like, you know, the post-revolution mindset, you know, in the seventies, even though it was 2005, <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, the point is that things can change on, on you know at a moment's notice, and America could all of a sudden have situations occur that you're know, like, oh, I'm moving to Mexico. You know, yeah. It's like it's like what lens you're looking through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you had you know articulated that you know ten fifteen years in America. Um, over the next 10, 15 years in America will lead you to a place that you're going to get back out there. Do you have thoughts where you want to take the family first? Um, yeah, I mean, like after 10 or 15 years, you know, in India is a good place for, for people to know. And I remember India was often a topic for both of us, uh, forever after our visit there. And for the obvious reasons in that it's so different. And it's it's so extreme on so many levels that it can't help be but a, a moving experience. So I want you know my wife has a had a father from Pakistan who uh, because of that she couldn't get her visa to India, so she she went to Sri Lanka instead, but just for a vacation. And so I would like her to be able to you know go to the places we went to in India and then. Um, hey, I have my kids go give them some perspective. I mean, I feel like it's like a, you know, you could have these, the way we felt comfortable in Latin America, you know, because it's in some ways it is similar. It's like they've, they've kind of adopted the, you know, Western religion and a lot of philosophy and India, I think like is openly 
welcomes and embodies the the Eastern philosophy, you know, to this day, like at its at its like most obvious and greatest. That when you go there, the contrast is is one of the most types of contrasts you could have. Granted, I haven't been to Africa, but what I remember about India is like wow, it's a real different place. So where better to go? And I remember it being nice. I liked traveling there. I liked the food and the and the the festivals and the colors and the cities. And I'd like the kids to be able to to go there and then at least have that as a as a point of reference to then move their perspectives through their their next adventures. So I'd like to go there. But then being here in the States, like like we were we were abroad for a long time, Jay, and you know, places where we didn't speak the language and we didn't know the culture and being back here and it's beautiful. We go to the river often and California's big. I'm still riding mountain bikes, so I would like to just see Canada, see the states, which is weird because it's just one of those things, you know, you get older. It's just things are different. And I don't want to ping pong back and forth between, you know, the topics, but when we were living in Nicaragua, I definitely imagined myself like not leaving. And I was talking about the benefits of leaving and you know, being close to my family now that they're getting older and so forth. But if, um, but being back here now, it's like, I'm, it's just, I've taken a, a different course and to, to get to know the Rockies better is something I'm looking forward to. It's, it's all like, it's, it's also within my reach because in Nicaragua, all my kids were in Nicaragua. My ideas of adventuring were Nicaraguan. And now that I have three of my four kids here now, and uh, Anitra's coming up for Christmas, so often I have my all four kids here now. I can't just take them somewhere else as easily. It's expensive and it's difficult. So I'm trying to form adventures close to where where I call home now. So it's uh, it's working out, and I'm doing that because I'm lucky. You know, it's like the California coastline's great. We have the Sierras close by. You know, there's a lot of regional parks, you know, right here. So it's like, I'm able to do it. Yeah. And I, I can relate to the sediment of, you know, coming back and having things in my life that I didn't have in Nicaragua, specifically like my father, my sister, that being fo- fairly forced to be here now because of just the, the, the climate in Nicaragua just became impossible to, to run any type of business for that period of time. Um, has afforded me this, you know, beautiful relationship I have with my niece and nephew, you know, cause I live with them. So yeah, I'm grateful for that. And it's a, a beautiful experience to get to share with them as they grow. And we just went to Mexico as a family together. I got to show them, you know, a different country, a different culture and show them what I like about it. And just to see their eyes light up and get excited because they've heard our stories over the years uh, you could tell that I think that they're going to have the travel bug as well, which I'm looking forward to going out into the world with them and showing them some of the other spots that you and I, you know, checked out. Um, do you have on a scale of one to 10, like a, a happiness scale that you feel like you're in right now? If you were to compare it to the times in Nicaragua or is it, are you always just kind of even keeled and feel more or less the same? Yeah. I'm pretty, well, I'm pretty even keeled. I mentioned this recently, and it was uh, it was the like cost to benefit ratio that I used to 
used to apply to what we used to do. And it was a one to 20. And I, I don't know if we've mentioned that on this before, but basically like the, the endeavors we underwent undertook back in, in our younger days were seemed to have this like one to 20 benefit ratio where for every one moment of like complete happiness, which was exceptional happiness and, and appreciation, we had like 20 difficult moments to get there. And you and I were in Mongolia and in Russia, you know, we were in, you know, in North China and Tibet and Udon Pradesh, you know, all the way down to Karela, the Andamans. It was like, you'd be on a boat for three days. All the septic was backed up. You know, if you wanted to take a shit, you had to like basically flip flop through a bunch of shit to take a shit on more shit. You know, it was like, and and then we would get to the Andamans and then we'd be on this you know, this, this, one of the 10 most beautiful beaches by natural geographic standards. And it would be beautiful for a moment. And then dusk would arrive and all the sand flies would come out and start biting you to shit and you couldn't (laughs) sleep. You know, it was like, but for a moment there, you know, (laughs) but you had to go through 20 of these moments. And one thing that the, that the institutions and back to being like stateside and when you're an expatriate and you come home, I feel like we're even more patriotic because what everybody here takes for granted, I don't because we were living in places where the power wasn't always on. The toilets definitely didn't always flush. You know, the police didn't always come. You know, there's all these things that that uh, that you, we can appreciate that work here. And when you're uh, so it's a, it's 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 better than a, a one to 20 ratio. It's a, like a one to five ratio. But with that sort of comfort and that sort of ratio, it kind of breeds the complacency that we, we look around and that we feel like is deteriorating the society. You know, when you're when you got some man left in you and you got some, you know, some wild left in you, you look around and you see all these soft people. It's because it's the one to five ratio. And I'm feeling it right now. Like I, I'm getting myself into, you know, into bows and arrows and jujitsu so I can kind of keep my edge. But it's like life is good here. You know, the institution, like you call the cops, they show up, you know, it's like you, I have been here and the lights have gone out once for a few minutes because somebody ran into a telephone pole. You know, it's like, that's the only reason why the toilet has flushed every single time I've flushed it. My shit has left every single time without incident, you know, (laughs) since I've been here, we're talking years now. And it's like, these are things that, you know, people want to, complain about politics but it's like you know these uh whatever whatever politics we've had or whatever contracts or institutions that we've had have established a a place where these things you don't have to worry about a lot of basic things so you can worry about like other things i guess you know or like worry about these other things and maybe that that has its own problem but i'm here now and i would say that the ratio is it's one to five. So for every like one moment I have where like, you know, I'm eating good with my family, you know, like a real nice moment of, of pure appreciation. I'll have five moments where I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm realizing I have to write people back, you know, emails. I have to, you know, I, I have to clean out my van. I have to make room in the garage for my mom to park her car you know, but it's, it's one to five. So it's a much more, it's, and, and, but with that sort of 
with that sort of life, you could easily fall into a into a place where the struggle isn't so much. I don't know what perfect is. Maybe it's a maybe, you know, it's it's somewhere in between, you know, one to twenty. It's like we lived with one to twenty for twenty years. So it's like and that was good until we returned forty, you know, and I and I'd say I'd still I'd still be doing it. And it did, and I did feel like we were living, like it was wild, you know, and that, and there was an appreciation for that because you feel alive because you're fighting for life, you know, for every, for every one moment where your food's good and everything's working out, you have, you know, really 19 or 20 moments where, you know, the car's not working, the toy's not flushing, you know, someone just stole something, you know, or like you got a rash, you don't know where it came from, (laughs) you know, but it's so I don't know. I, I, you know, when you stack some odds against yourself, like having a, having a, like a, maybe a one to 12 ratio or something where you throw in some workouts, you throw in some disciplines and you don't, you make it a little more difficult for yourself. Maybe you find a better ratio where, you know, you feel like, oh, it's, it's worth living. Yeah. I feel like I can relate in that in Nicaragua, the problems I had, weren't all created by myself and my mind. Like there was legitimate issues that had to be solved that were out of my control that I had to then figure out how to get through where it's like, I'd say, you know, 99% of all the problems I have in America right now are self created. <laughs> you know, there really isn't much I can point to off the top of my head that I'd say like, well, that's not my fault. Like, but this shit's happening to me right now. It's like, no, like, Every moment I'm bombed out on something, it's because of a decision I made that, you know, led me to where I stand today. You know, and that, that, that like complacency that you mentioned as well, like that laziness, like there's certainly something to be said about like the more difficult life is for you. And obviously you don't want it difficult all the time, but having that ability to look back on those moments and contrast it with your current life situation gives you a perspective and appreciation for where you find yourself. And I mean, sometimes it's going to be harder in that moment than in the past moments that you're reflecting on, but they, that contrast I'm really noticing is so powerful. Yeah, I can agree with that. So yeah, man, I mean, you got your routine, you're in construction, you're, uh, obviously looking towards the future of, you know, traveling again, maybe some expat life with your children and your wife. And do you have any cool, like international adventures coming up? Are you going to pretty much stay local? No, I'm pretty local. We go to Germany every year and, uh, that's good enough for me right now. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's gotta be just like a time and place in my life too. It's like, I, uh, in, when you, when you get this old, it's like, the, the bug kind of goes away and I don't, and, but also having said that, it's like, we did it, you know, it's like, if I hadn't have really kind of played that, that life out to the extent that we did, I don't know how I would feel right now, but I'm super content. And we have a joke around this house where every time we make a good meal, we're like, Hey, we should open a restaurant on the beach. <laughs> and then we all laugh because we did, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, and it's it's not all shits and giggles. It's like it's it's life as usual, you know. And sometimes it's even more difficult. But it's good, you know. You you do this difficult thing, you know. You go to war with your own dreams and desires. You play them out, and then you get to come to a place that 
that is an ex- extension of you. I mean, because that's the other thing. It's like I can appreciate about this place. It's like this is a this is a this is the the best that Western society kind of has to offer. Like I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, like pretty damn complete, and it it it's you know it it kind of runs off the off the the old you know English common law and the Judeo Christian philosophies of of divine individualism and independence and you know all societies based on that regardless of kind of how messed up it can seem at times but i mean it's it is coming home and when you're a little bit older and you're looking for i mean like as much as you know nicaragua felt like home and at there was a point there where i was really aligned with what i felt that culture was it's like in the end, I'm still just the you know six foot three white dude who none of them saw as being Nicaraguan for sure, and you know and and that's just on the outside. Not to mention, like I don't know how long I could, you know, honestly hold my tongue and not you know speak like a libertarian in the company of everybody always, and then have it come back to bite me in in a in a serious way at a point. You know, it's like. We were we were removed from a lot of dangers, and also we were in a transitional period when we were in there. From for me, it was that 2006 to 2018. So it was it wasn't we you know all my like close friends of mine down there. They've been you know expelled from Nicaragua and or and so those were those were the people that we were having conversations with, and we talked openly. It's like apparently you can't you know you got to be careful differently now so it's it's probably better i'm not down there and then also you know you're i'm trying to raise a bunch of kids to be free thinkers and you know and open-minded and it's like you know you teach them the medicine that ends up killing them if they go on to you know kind of you know just have those conversations in circles that are non-tolerant and connected and want something from you you know, want what you have. And then that's the place where it happens. You know, they, they'll take it. They'll take you. They'll, you know, it's a, it's very real. I mean, we all, you and I both know people who that's happened to. So it's, uh, it's good. I'm not, it's good. I'm not there. I think anyone who is there, I think it's good for them and they find their reasons. I don't think it's, you know, my ideas are right for everybody who's continuing to live down there. But for me and my family now, it's, uh, it's good. We're not there. This is the place to be. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not trying to talk stateside up so much that everybody should be experiencing it. I mean, Jesus, if you're in your 20s and 30s, it's like to have this appreciation I have now. I, I you have to have a contrast to to gain the perspective. So you, the only way you get that is go out there and deprive yourself of liberties and of comforts. And then experience it, live it, and then come home and maybe you'll have some appreciation. You won't be so, you know, soft and complaining when you, you know, you wake up in a place where everything's working right, you know, for the time where you don't want to fight so hard for your existence. Yeah, man. Well said. Really well said. I like that. You know, um, before we wrap up, is there anything that you had on your mind that you wanted to share? Or topics that we hadn't really discussed that were you were thinking about discussing? Um, it well, 
you know, it's like, it's funny because we were expatriates, you know, and, and that word like kind of resonated, you know, and that we did walk away from the States and, and what, what it was to be patriotic in the sense of living in a place and I guess fighting for what it stood for. So in that sense, we were expatriates, but I never felt like I wasn't a patriot to the ideals. And, and I remember making the argument when we were down there often that being an American wasn't the, the land, it was an ideal, you know, it was the idea of this independence and this, this, um, you know, self-governing, governing and this, but, um, in being back in the States, um, and I guess I'm a patriot again would be the, the categorization, but it's what I, what I, how I feel different than the rest of my community is in that I, I, I feel like I, I don't get ca I caught up in the sides that these, that these politics, these identity politics are playing. And I still have this, this underlining appreciation for just the, just the, the foundational pillars that hold this place up. So I really like, I have a lot of friends that I think would, would disagree strongly and probably with each other, but I'm able to, to kind of interject myself into their worlds sincerely, genuinely, and, uh, and then also help to remind people that there's other places that are really fighting for a lot of the basics that we take for granted. So it's just, it really laid itself out real nice. Like I, it's nice to be 44 with no regrets, you know, and having really still the best stories at the table great ex experiences under my belt you know if like if like my kids die to hear me tell stories you know if i get telling stories they're like you know like <laughs> we got great stories through and through and that's that's uh gratifying and then um and then also the style in which we designed for ourselves so i know that the theme of misfits and rejects is that of like you know creating a style for yourself that's unique to yourself and often you find that when pursuing your dreams and aspirations and we did it and so we have it and so it's nice like i float around here there's no real insecurities there's a you know there's plenty of confidence not a lot of self-doubt there's huge amounts of gratification and appreciation so it's like that's a great style to like roll through life with and then bring your kids along because then they get to you know roll with you it's like I've hung out with lots of different kinds of people and the best kinds of people in Gigante and Gigante Bay, you know, Camino de San Gigante, GFS, like all of those, you know, original spots down there in Nicaragua, those pioneering um, places that we created were they, they attracted the coolest types of people. So you and I got to like really like surf with like, you know, like just stellar adventurous independent people and and uh we're one of them and uh, you know i like hanging out with me you know <laughs> and that's great because i get to wake and i like having you as a best friend you know someone i can call anytime and you know jamie eccentric as hell and you know he's one of my best friends and you know it's like people we keep in contact the people we just know you know it's like they're no they're no chodes mm -hmm. you know they're they're like each and every person that that we got to meet and and uh, and then build our 
ourselves off of and, and incorporate into our lives, like were the best of the best kinds of people for us at that time. We didn't sacrifice our souls for any other cause other than to, to, to find out why life was worth living and how best to live it. And we really did a good job. We're in a good place, Jake. I agree, man. I agree. Is there a quote you want to leave us with that you you got top of mind right now that you've been thinking about? Um, Anicha, life is impermanent. <laughs> Don't hold any on anything too tight because uh, it's it will pass. <laughs> I love it, dude. Thanks for joining me, Johnny. Always a pleasure. Much love, Chape. Miss you, man. Awesome, Johnny. Thank you so much for your time. It's always such a pleasure to jump on the mic with you and just catch up. I love you, appreciate you, and look forward to many, many more adventures. Folks, remember the holidays are coming up, so definitely head over to Instagram and check out Maria's Instagram, drift underscore supply. That's where you can find one of these really beautiful kimonos made out of quilts. They're awesome for males and females, so don't hesitate to let your stylish friends know about it because they will definitely be separating themselves out from the crowd when they get one of these things. Thank you so much for being here, guys. I really appreciate you. Every week is a special episode that I love sharing with you, and I hope you are finding value in it, and hopefully it's motivating you to think about your life situation and make a change if you think that's necessary. So with that said, thank you again. I think you all are so very beautiful, and I'll see you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.